I'm Anna. And I'm Alicia. And And this this is Popping Perfectionism. Alicia, do you know what a really cool animal is? What? A chameleon. Oh my gosh, have you heard of chameleon syndrome? I haven't. Well, let me tell you about it. As we all know, chameleons change their color. Well, sometimes humans try to change their colors, okay? So, chameleons, as you know, can change the color of their skin based on their background. And they do this as a defense mechanism. They do it to avoid getting hurt, to avoid getting seen by their predators, and they use it as a protection. It's a way to avoid vulnerability. And did you know that we as humans change our colors, air quotes, we do it to avoid getting hurt and being vulnerable as well. Is that why it's called the chameleon syndrome? Yes, Anna. Wow. It is. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Today we are talking about the chameleon syndrome and how it manifests itself in the world of perfectionism. Mm -hmm. And I know we started a little silly, but chameleon syndrome is something that is actually really damaging. So we're going to talk about how it can harm us long term. And of course, humans don't actually change their colors. So we want you to just have this image in your mind of a chameleon as we go through this podcast. But before we talk about chameleon syndrome, we want to introduce to you the two dimensions of perfectionism. And these two dimensions are really important because they really are basically the foundation of perfectionism. Um, they're really just when you boil perfectionism down to its most baseline, yeah, down to the skeleton, this is what ignites it. And so those two dimensions are unrealistic expectations and self-criticism. Unrealistic expectations is pretty explanatory. It's when you have expectations for yourself that are unrealistic. And a lot of people confuse this for having really high goals or being Mm -hmm. really ambitious That's not what this is because that's a really good thing to want for yourself. I think it's even okay to have goals that are, I don't want to say extreme, but like, no, but that like really push you, that really challenge you. This is not what that is. This is expectations that are completely unrealistic. And so what happens is we set these expectations for ourselves and then of course we don't reach them. Why? Because they're unrealistic, unrealistic, unattainable. And when we don't reach these expectations, we fall into self-criticism. And immediately we take this failure or this bad moment that we've had and we attach it to our identity. We attach it to our worth. We go from, oh my gosh, I didn't get this project on time to I am a terrible employee. Mm -hmm. Or, oh my gosh, I said something really awkward to that person to I am an awkward individual, right? And we've talked about that in previous episodes where you make that leap from flaw to flawed person. And so then when you criticize yourself that badly, because it really is a form of, you know, self-punishment mentally, then you tell yourself, okay, well, next time I'm going to set my expectations even higher because that's going to push me even farther. And then once again, when those expectations aren't met, you criticize yourself and it is just a vicious cycle that feeds into itself over and over again. And it's an interesting way just to set yourself up for failure and you know Mm -hmm. because when you set something a goal that is completely unrealistic and then you don't meet that goal it kind of brings you down and then you try and set a higher goal to better yourself in a way I always do finger quotes and you guys can't see them (laughs) but it doesn't work um so we want to tell you 
two stories to illustrate these points. First, unrealistic expectations. I want you guys to go back in your mind to when you were learning how to write in school. I think we all might be triggered by the paper (laughs) that has like the two blue solid lines and the dotted lines between it. Mm -hmm. And it's like wide ruled paper, but like doubled, you know, so it's really big. So you can learn how to write within those lines. So here's a story of a girl that you guys might relate to. She's learning how to write. She's at home doing her homework at the kitchen table with her dad. And she's practicing, 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 and her dad noticed that she starts to get frustrated with herself. And she puts down the pen and starts to cry. And her dad asks, what's wrong? I cannot stay within the lines. That was her response. I can't stay within the lines perfectly. So why try? So she gave up because she was so, so distraught that she couldn't do it perfectly on the first try. And of course she couldn't write perfectly because she was learning. So this was a very unrealistic expectation. What's damaging in our culture is that we reinforce these lines for each other instead of helping people, others, or yourself erase them. So we say, you're not meeting this expectation. Your body isn't perfect. You don't look like this. Or, what you know, whatever it may be. And then when you don't meet them, you're kind of reprimanded or shamed in a way. Um, I recently took the GRE, which is a test you have to take to get into grad school. And while I was preparing to take this test, I took a practice test. And it's about four hours long. So the Whoa. practice test, I was just taking it. I dedicated a whole Saturday to it. And I started at 8 in the morning went through it. It was really hard. I realized how much math I had forgotten because I hadn't (laughs) taken math in like, what, five years or something. (laughs) Um, And it's funny because as you take the test, the more questions you get wrong, they start giving you easier questions to kind of like evaluate where you are. And I swear by the last math question, it was like, what's seven times five? I was like, (laughs) okay, wow. Um, So I'm doing great. So I'm doing really good. Anyway, so I submit the test, and it gives me my score. Let me tell you. So just to give you an idea, the worst score you could get is a 130 on each section. I got a 138, y'all. I hit submit, saw my score, and just started crying. And my husband's like, what's wrong? What's wrong? Like, And I just said, I, I did so bad. Like, I failed. I, mm-hmm. I cannot go to grad school. I can't, whatever. And it was because I was expecting myself to do, like, to get a perfect score on the first try, Mm -hmm. which is so funny. Like, my husband helped me realize how ridiculous I was seeming. But in the moment, you're just in your head and you set these expectations, you don't meet them. And it's so disheartening. Yeah. And, And similar to you and the girl who's doing her homework, you, I mean, the girl doing her homework, she was writing the words correctly, right? Mm-hmm. She she was writing the words. She had the letters down. She was creating beautiful stories, beautiful sentences and paragraphs. But because she couldn't stay in the lines, she quit. And right. all of that beautiful work that she was creating was halted. And same yeah. with you with grad school, right? If you had just let that one test stop mm-hmm. you, you wouldn't, have, you know, you wouldn't have applied for grad school. You wouldn't have taken the actual GRE. And then all of that beautiful creation that you could have put into the world would have not happened. And I think another important part of unrealistic expectations to touch on is the after effect of unrealistic expectations. Mm -hmm. So for me, at least one of the narratives, the negative narratives that always runs through my mind is, well, you should have been able to figure it out. 
Um, and that comes back to a lot of different dimensions of perfectionism, um, just as like the pedestal effect and things we'll go into later. But just this thought process of, well, you should have been able to figure it out. And it's unrealistic. Yeah, totally. It's like, how did you not know this already? You know, and mm-hmm. I I found myself doing that in school, like in classes. Maybe if someone knows a communication theory or even just a word that like I don't know, I'm just like, oh, I'm an idiot. Like I should have known that, you know, but what, um, if, what? Oh, like yeah. <laughs> how would I expect myself to learn everything the first day of school or like mm-hmm. when I'm born? And, and it sounds yeah. unrealistic. But that's what this is, unrealistic expectation. And perfectionism doesn't let you remember that there's stuff that you know that they that don't. They, the other people in your class don't know. Yeah. One of my favorite ways to combat this, um, listen, I came up with this, but I don't think I actually came up with this. You know when you like Let's come up with something <laughs> and then you're like, oh, someone said that 200 years ago and right. I just thought I came up with it. Um, my, but the thing I tell myself quite a bit is you can't beat up old you with new information. And I love oh. to do that. That is my favorite pastime is to beat up old me with new information that I didn't have in the past. Mm-hmm. So if you find yourself getting caught in that unrealistic expectation cycle, that is a narrative that has really helped me. Yeah. And we want to give you one thing to combat these unrealistic expectations. Um, just the other day, Anna and I were talking about the podcast or something. I can't even remember what. And I just started to get really down on myself like, I'm so nervous to do this. Like, this is scary. Mm-hmm. Talking to, I don't even know who's going to listen to this. And this is Our so moms. important to me. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, mom. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was just setting an unrealistic expectation for myself that I want to be like Brene Brown right now. Mm-hmm. But she's already gone through whatever or whoever like you look up to, an author, a speaker, whatever. And I expected to be that by the first episode yeah. we released. And so when I was kind of going through this, these um, thoughts in my mind of unrealistic expectations, I texted Anna and I was like, I just need validation right now. (laughs) And she was like, we got this. Like, I couldn't do this without you, blah, blah, blah. And she just helped me like come back down to earth, you know, and get out of that mindset. So if you find yourself struggling with your goals, maybe you're not sure if they're unrealistic or not. Talk to someone who you know cares about you and mm-hmm. knows you really mm-hmm. well. Whether that's like a best friend, a family member, a spouse, um, a partner, just whatever it might be. Like evaluate your goals with them. Yeah. And just say, hey, like, am I being realistic? And they might say, you know, you could push yourself a little more or yeah, like you're doing fine, you know? And it sounds so simple because I feel like when we're in moments like this, like, of course we're going to talk to someone, but really set that person down and say, I need you to level with me. Yeah. Am I being too hard on myself or am I not being hard enough? Mm-hmm. You know, am I not challenging myself enough? And, and ask them explicit. for support. There's no mm-hmm. shame in that because another unrealistic expectation is that we expect ourselves to do everything on our own, right? Oh, that's perfectionism's like number <laughs> one rule. Yeah. yeah. Totally. It's bad. Like, I expected to ace the AC or the GRE by myself first time, mm-hmm. which is so unrealistic. You need support. Okay, so the next part of perfectionism, the next dimension is self criticism. And again, self criticism probably sounds a little bit self explanatory. It's when you criticize yourself. But there's nothing wrong with giving yourself honest evaluation and feedback after you do something right that's the only way we progress is by being real and honest with ourselves but that would be like feedback or like constructive criticism but this is just 
criticism. This is just breaking yourself down, mm-hmm. right? This is just giving yourself absolutely no slack yeah. and just tearing yourself down. Because um, perfectionism likes to tell us to widen the chasm between our failures and other people's successes as wide as we can. And I've, I've done this so many times where it's so warped where I'll do this and I'll think it's like a redeeming quality. Yeah. It just makes you feel bad about yourself. <laughs> and so we, we get caught into, after the expectations aren't met, we get caught in self-criticism and we ruminate on these things all day. And explain what ruminate is in case people don't know. I think we've said that a couple times. Yeah, but, but just in case, I'll give you a real, real quick, yeah. you know, 10-second definition. Ruminate is when you have obsessive or intrusive thoughts in your mind that are really cyclical, cyclical? Yeah. yeah, where they cycle through. And it's not productive. Um, the best analogy I've heard for rumination is that our brains think that ruminating is like lifting a weight at the gym, right? Lifting weights is like pretty hard. I mean, like I pick up those five pound dumbbells and I'm if in a lot of pain. If you saw Anna and I, you would know we lift. I have the wrists of a fourth grader. They're very small. Wait, me too, actually. My forearms, not there. Wait, let me see. Yeah. And so our brain thinks like if we are in pain in that way it's kind of like at the gym when you're lifting up weights and it's hard but you're building muscle but that is not how rumination is rumination is not productive it's actually like if you had a splinter in your foot and you purposely just stepped on that splinter over and over again it's not helping you it's not productive it's not building muscle it's just hurting yourself over and over again so that is one of the hallmark characteristics of Mm self-criticism is unproductive rumination yeah, and, and those ruminating thoughts, thoughts, they just sit in your mind and they get all day. bigger and they, they get, bigger get bigger and bigger and bigger. And bigger. Right. Yeah, which it makes sense because the splinter just causes more and more damage. Right. Mm-hmm. So I want to just do a quick little thought activity with you guys to illustrate this for you. Um, imagine if I had a chair. Right. Imagine we were all in a room together. We we're all hanging out. We we're buds. Hey. And I had a chair in the middle of the room and I pulled a person up and told them to sit in the chair. And they sit in the chair and I start just walking around them in a circle. And as I walk around them, I start just commenting on them, right? Nothing, nothing kind of neutral comments, you know, like, oh, you have brown hair. Mm -hmm. Oh, you have a pink shirt on or whatever it might be. And as I circle around this person, my comments get more and more harsh and they become more and more attacking. Uh, You know, eventually I'm like, you know, you could have done your hair a little bit better today or I saw that you were late to class today, you know, just kind of commenting a little more harsh, a little more harsh until eventually I am making comments about their very character that are damaging, right? Where I'm making blanket statements where I'm like, you are actually an idiot, like, and Mm -hmm. you are sloppy and you're useless and all of these really negative things. And, and, And imagine that we were all in a room together. How long would you wait before coming up and stopping me. And, and at this point, this person's just in tears, right? Like, I mean, the second someone said anything rude to me, I would probably just <laughs> yeah. burst into tears. But, but at this point, when I'm repeatedly negatively commenting on their actual character, like this person's just a mess. So how long would you wait until actually, like, till either verbally stopping me, physically coming up and grabbing me and making me stop? Like, how long would you wait? And I'd wager most of you wouldn't wait that long. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm guessing a couple of negative comments in, most of you would speak up or stop me, right? Yeah, I agree. Right? The crazy part about this is that every single day, we go and we sit in that chair. 
and we circle around ourselves making the same negative comments and we don't even give ourselves the grace of starting off with nice ones you know we Mm -hmm. just immediately jump to these character attacking comments and the tragic part of this is that there's no one to intervene on our behalf because it's us against us and we're just circling attacking ourselves I mean like most days I super glue myself to that chair right I get up in the morning and I'm like okay we're doing this all day every day We're just Mm going to think about all the bad things I've done and all the bad things I am. And we don't have anyone to advocate on our behalf. And so if you think about it that way, and I know we've we've touched on role reversal a little bit, and this is kind of another element of that. Imagine if it wasn't you, if it was someone else in the chair, if someone else in your situation, right? Mm -hmm. You would not say the things to that person that you say to yourself. And I've had people say that to me before. And I think, oh, no, 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 no you don't know me like I deserve it yeah but that's just not true and it doesn't matter how much your brain tells you that you you deserve that kind of criticism you you don't and it's not fair for you to attack yourself like that totally and like think of I don't know think of something mean you would say to yourself you know like maybe I would say to myself I'm not qualified to I don't know to go to grad school maybe I'm not qualified to go to grad school would you have the gall, like the nerve to say that to someone else's face? Like, no. hey, Anna, I just really need to tell you something. You're not qualified to go to grad school. You're just There's not, no you way. You know, like, yeah. you wouldn't, like, I even right now feel so weird just, like, saying that to her. <laughs> like, you can't look at someone's, like, someone in the face and be like, you're dumb. It's so easy to say to ourselves, but you would never say that to someone else because mm-hmm. it's, like, not true. And it's not true about you either. Yeah, and it doesn't matter how well you know yourself and how many mistakes you know you've made and how many bad characteristics you have. Just as a human being, mm-hmm. you deserve more slack. Yeah, And that's what perfectionism doesn't allow us to believe. Perfectionism's like, listen, you might be human, but you don't get to act like it. Totally. You don't get to have dark emotions. You don't get to have mistakes. And that's what's so dangerous and so damaging about it. Right, and it's like... Anna could validate me and my hard times, but then if she were having a hard time, it's like, well, of course, Alicia deserved to have that validation in Slack because she's who she is, but like, I don't, mm-hmm. you know, and we think that all the time. It's really bad in it's case you can't good. tell. It's unhealthy and toxic and, and toxic. perfectionist. Yeah. Yeah. So and we're here see. to pop that. We're here so. to pop that ish. <laughs> you could see how it's this cycle, though, of setting an unrealistic expectation and saying, and attacking your character, I'm dumb, I'm whatever, blah, blah, blah. And it's this cycle, right? So we need to stop this cycle, you guys. But in order to do that, I think we need to understand what drives this cycle. Mm-hmm. And we want to go back to Brene's quote of perfectionism. Perfectionism is not the same thing as striving to be your best, a.k.a. set a reasonable goal. Okay. Ah, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, perfectionism is the belief that if we live perfect, look perfect, and act perfect, we can minimize or avoid the pain of blame, judgment, and shame. The same reason chameleons change their color is because they're afraid. They don't want to get hurt. They don't want to be vulnerable. They don't want to experience pain, blame, shame, judgment, everything Brene just mentioned. And that's also something we avoid when we enter, we try to avoid when we enter this cycle. Mm -hmm. But experiencing mistakes and experiencing hurt is necessary for a growth and avoiding those necessary things can actually harm us more than we think any pre- 
predator can. Yeah, and it sucks sometimes, you know? Because mm-hmm. literally, chameleons literally do that so they don't get eaten, right? right. And we're hopefully not going to get eaten. Jeffrey Dahmer who? Sorry, was that in bad taste? <laughs> um, but we're not going to, you know, like get eaten by a predator. But there are some moments where I feel vulnerable and I feel like I failed that honestly probably hurt worse than dying like genuinely like you you Mm -hmm. feel like you're like I do not want to be in this situation I'd rather be literally anywhere else feeling anything else and and so it's right it's right along with that we think that we can just not experience those things but then you're not living and you're going to experience them anyway that's the whole point of it is you can't avoid them no matter how many colors you change you can't avoid it well and it's the way that we've framed failure in our minds And that's what makes it more scary or, like, quote-unquote harmful than actually getting hurt because it's not. And so before we go deeper into fear, I want to talk about two things, I guess, that can hurt us long-term from this perfectionist cycle of unrealistic expectations and self-criticism. First is that this cycle becomes a regular practice. It becomes a default setting in your mind to set these unrealistic expectations and then be down on yourself. The second thing is that the fear of failure begins to drive your actions. So we want to talk about fear just a little bit more. There's another podcast that we recommend, and it's called The Life Coach School by Brooke Castillo. And I listened to one of her episodes about fear, and I think she actually published it in 2015 or something wow when the world was right (laughs) right she talks about about fear what is fear so anna mentioned it's like our bodies are are set to defend you know defend themselves yeah and we are given this innate i don't know what the word is but like instinct maybe instinct yeah. yeah the instinct to protect yourself and that's why like way back when ancestors like protect themselves against predators that were trying to hurt them Mm -hmm. and that's why when we get like scared your body like gets in attack mode like whoa you know um so that's what fear really is so think about a fear of yours one of mine used to be public speaking which is hilarious because (laughs) we're doing this but um public speaking right that's not something that's actually gonna physically hurt me Mm -hmm. i'm not gonna like break my leg even though that's something Hopefully. people say yeah I'm not gonna break my leg I'm not gonna die I'm not gonna you know so what is it that I'm actually afraid of I'm afraid of being embarrassed mm-hmm. I'm afraid of humiliating myself um saying something wrong mm-hmm. stuttering mm-hmm. what are people thinking of me I'm afraid of like getting red because I sometimes get red and like think about all those things would those actually hurt me no they wouldn't they'd be uncomfortable they'd be uncomfortable but they wouldn't like really hurt you yeah right yeah and it's funny because even if i were to humiliate myself okay let's just say i totally embarrass myself on stage or whoever i'm talking to the worst thing that could happen is i feel that and maybe people are just like they feel for me but Mm -hmm. they're not going to be like oh she's dumb you know like that was a waste of time like no one really no one thinks about that Because, honestly, they're probably too busy thinking about themselves. (laughs) So true. But, so the worst thing, let's go worst case scenario, I humiliate myself. And then I just feel embarrassed and then I get down on myself. 
But you can stop that cycle by maybe humiliating yourself, laughing about it, and moving on. Yeah, and let's say people's opinions of you did change. Like, if we're talking absolute worst case scenarios, um, if you're not a perfectionist, then you're okay with not everyone having a high opinion of you. Oh, that's so true. You know? Oh, I feel attacked. <laughs> but, but that's, you know, because perfectionism yeah. says you have to be good in every role that you play. You have to please everyone. You have to be everyone's ideal version of yourself. Right. So, but when you mess up, one, I don't think anyone would watch someone mess up in a speech and be like, that person's dumb. Yeah, they really no. would just feel for they them. They would be like, man, like I feel for them. Yeah. Like I, I would hate speaking to you. I would hate being in their spot. Exactly. Empathy is a lot more powerful than we give it credit yeah. for, you know? But even if their opinion did change of you, as soon as you can work through these perfectionist tendencies, you would be able to know that and sit with it and be okay with it. And be fine. And yeah. knowing that like, you know, everyone makes mistakes and if they're judging me, that's their loss, you know? That's their mm -hmm. thing, and I can't control what other people think of me. Yeah, exactly. So, Burt Castillo, she says this one-liner that I love, and she says, feel your fear and do it anyway. Yes. Which I love that. Go, Brooke. Feel your fear and do it. Recognize what you're actually afraid of and get over that. Mm -hmm. So, when I, like set an unrealistic goal or do whatever like why am I doing that am I afraid of not measuring up am I afraid of what other people think of me like what is that and why why does that matter yeah so yeah exactly to illustrate this point a little more we have a guest speaker on our podcast today you might know him Will um Will Smith <clears throat> would you would you, you speak come take up? a seat? Kidding, no. Okay, listen, we're pulling a video off of YouTube. Yeah, I wish you were here. It's Will Smith, and it is very well worth the listen. We've mm -hmm. I've listened to it at this point probably over a dozen times, and I still it, it's it's funny, it's inspiring, it's motivating. So we're just gonna play that. Um, we'll see you in a couple minutes. Bye. Yeah, for for me, the the daily confrontation. Um, with, with fear has become a real practice for me since about three three years ago um i went uh i went skydiving in dubai right and skydiving skydiving is a really interesting confront with fear right so so i gotta i gotta stand up i'm sorry i gotta stand up, I gotta stand up. all right so so all your friends what happens you go out how you oh sorry oh, i dropped my thing so what happens is you go out the night before and you, you know, you take a drink with your friends and somebody says, yeah, we should go skydiving tomorrow. And you go, yeah, we'll go skydiving tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. And you go, yeah. And everybody goes, yeah. Right. And you go home by, you by yourself. You're like, mm. right. You're like, well, I mean, they, they was drunk, too. Right. So so maybe maybe they not. Maybe maybe. I mean, we don't have to go. We don't have to do it. So then that night you're laying in your bed and you just keep <laughs> and you're terrified. You keep imagining over and over again, jumping out of an airplane and you can't figure out why you would do that. Right. And you're laying there and you have the worst night's sleep of your life, but you still have the hope that your friends were drunk. Right. So you wake up the next day and you go, you know, down and you say where you were going to meet and everybody's there. You're like, oh, shit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, cool, 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 right? So you get in the van, and you don't know that your friends had the same night that you had because they're pretending like they didn't. They're like, yeah, man, my uncle's a Navy SEAL, and, you know, this is going to be great. I've been looking forward to this. And you're like, oh, my God, oh, my God. 
and your stomach is terrible. You can't eat and everything, but you don't want to be the only punk who doesn't jump out of this airplane. So you get there, and then you have this safety brief. And you're standing there, and the guys would say, well, if the chute doesn't open, what's going to happen is you're doing, you, well, why the hell, why, what could happen? <laughs> that the chute, the chute wouldn't open, right? So you do a thing, and what you do is your first jump, you're attached to a guy who is going, you know, he's going to walk you out. So you go, and you get there, and there's an airplane, and nobody's stopping. Everybody's still going. So you get onto the airplane, and you're sitting there, and, and you know, it's extra because you're sitting on some dude's lap, some stranger. <laughs> He's sitting on his lap, and it's like, you know, you're trying to make small talk. Yeah, man. You... So you do, you'd be, you be jumping with people all the time, huh? You be... Right, you know. So, and then you just want to make sure, you know, you got, you got kids, right? You got people you need to see, right? You just want to make sure he's serious, right? So you get in there, so everything's normal. So you fly, and you go up, you go up, you go up, you go up to 14,000 feet, and you notice there's a, a, a light. It's red. And it's yellow and green, right? So right now the light's red. So then you start thinking at some point the light's going to go green because you don't know what's going to happen, right? And you wait and it goes yellow and the light goes green and somebody opens the door. And in that moment, you realize you've never been in a freaking airplane with the door open. <laughs> right? Terror. Oh, sorry. I'm spitting. I'm spitting. <laughs> oh, sorry. No, terror, 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 terror. Right. So you go and then, you know, if you're if you were smart, you sat in the back so you don't go first. Right. And then people start going out of the airplane and you go and the guy walks you up to the end of the thing. And you're standing and your toes are on the edge and you're looking out down to death. <laughs> and they say on three and they say one. Two, and he pushes you on two because people grab on three, right? <laughs> right? And you go, and you fall out of the airplane, and in one second, you realize that it's the most blissful experience of your life. You're flying, right? It doesn't feel like falling, right? It's like the, you actually are kind of held a little bit by the wind and then you start and you you start falling you falling and you there's zero fear you realize that the point of maximum danger is the point of minimum fear it's bliss it's bliss and you're flying <laughs> right and you're doing that and then 20 seconds 25 seconds 40 seconds and you have enough time to just kind of be like oh Shit, that's that building. I saw like that one. <laughs> oh, you can see the ocean. <laughs> right? You start doing all of that. And the, the lesson for me was, why were you scared in your bed the night before? Why did you, what do you need that fear for? Just don't go. Why are you scared in your bed 16 hours before you jump? Why are you scared in the car? Why could you not enjoy breakfast? What, 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 what did you need that, that, Fear is fear of what? You're nowhere even near the airplane. Everything up to the stepping out, there's actually no reason to be scared. It only just ruins your day. You're, you don't have to jump. And then in that moment, all of a sudden, where you should be terrified is the most blissful experience of your life. 
And God placed the best things in life on the other side of terror. On the other side of your maximum fear are all of the best things in life. You know? So that was that. Sorry. So that was that was it. Yeah, that was that was my experience with uh, with skydiving and fear. So one of the quotes I really love in that video is when he's talking about how the night. Well, I guess not the night before the day of he goes Mm -hmm. and you didn't realize or know that all of your friends had the same night that you did. Mm -hmm. And that is so key to perfectionism. Totally. Because we walk around in our daily lives assuming everyone else has it together. No one else is feeling anxious. No one else is feeling insecure. No one else has ever made a mistake in their life. Exactly. No one else (laughs) is nervous for the meeting coming up. No one else is. We just assume everyone else is about to go skydiving and they slept the full eight hours and they had a deep sleep and they were great, right? That, That everyone is just cruising along doing perfectly and then once again it goes back to that widening the chasm mm-hmm. right i I'm, I'm making the distance between my insecurities my insurities and other people's confidence as wide as possible when i don't even know for sure that that confidence in them exists yeah. i just assume it does if anything they're all just faking it you know how mm-hmm. will says he met up with all of his friends and they're like yeah bro like are you ready for this when they could be like wrapping themselves (laughs) like we're about was yeah but they don't want to show it yeah you know and no one wants to show their vulnerability hello chameleon syndrome because then admitting that you're scared or you're unsure is showing fault or weakness and perfectionism doesn't let you do that absolutely yeah so y'all we're all in this together like any insecurity you have someone else has felt that the other thing i love from this video i think i recognized it i don't know like the fourth time i watched it or something He's in the plane, the light, I don't know what color it is, they freak, They open the door, and he said, I realized I've never been in an airplane with the door open before. <laughs> and I'm sure I would have that feeling too. Like, I've never been in this situation. And I think a lot of us experience uncharted territory. I'm about to graduate. Anna's graduated. It's terrible. Um, I'm about to apply to grad school. Some people are becoming parents bringing a baby Um, home for the first time i can't imagine like that would be so so stressful like you've never been in that plane with the door open i haven't been here before what do i do Mm -hmm. so we all you know whether you don't really resonate with perfectionism or not you've all felt this before yep first day of high school yep first day of college first relationship first date oh first date forget about it hello yeah we've all been there before and it goes back to you don't know like what your friends the night that they had Mm -hmm. and everyone has gone through that before so you can too i -hmm. love that having that perspective like a commonplace perspective i'm not the only one to be afraid to graduate college and what happens next you're not the only one who is getting their first relationship in college right right you're not the only one who failed a chem test you're not the only one who has to run this meeting by themselves for the first time yeah it happens every day to everyone even even giving birth like think about how traumatic and scary and terrifying giving birth is (laughs) a million women do it every single day so not to minimize the experience but it's comforting right Mm -hmm. to know that this huge scary mountainous thing hundreds of people do it every single day yeah and they 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 live to tell the tale yeah and i feel the need to say too like it can be anything as minor as the first day of school Mm -hmm. to something as serious as really struggling with mental illness Mm -hmm. or like suicidal thoughts Mm -hmm. yep 
you're you're not alone and someone else out there has felt that before yeah and he was with his friends in the plane and if you feel alone in your plane just know there's other people with you just ask you know just reach out like for help I don't know why I want to talk about that but I feel like we've all been in uncharted territory no matter how foreign it may seem someone has been there and perfectionism tells you well you need to figure it out by yourself and you should have had it figured out even though you've never done this before Mm -hmm. another line um, or I guess part that Will talks about that I love is where he talks about how the more time he spent falling the more comfortable it became and I love that because he was still falling it's not like anything changed about his situation. He was still falling out of a plane the whole yeah. time. But the the longer he was doing it, the more comfortable it became. And something that Brene Brown says all the time, she will sign off her social media posts of this or, or she'll just say it. She says, stay awkward. Yeah. And I love that because the, the more you practice combating perfectionism, the more you practice embracing vulnerability rather than shunning it and embracing your insecurities and your awkwardness and staying awkward and loving <coughs> it. Connectionism. <laughs> the better you get at it and the more comfortable it gets. I don't think it ever becomes completely comfortable, but I think no. it becomes less uncomfortable. And maybe, yeah, it just, I don't know what, what the word is. Maybe not comfortable, but as he was falling out of the plane, he started to recognize little things. He's like, oh, that's the ocean. Like, that's the hotel we stayed the night in, you know? Mm-hmm. And the air from falling was, like, holding him up. And he could enjoy the things around him. And the more time we intentionally spend in connectionism, we can enjoy the things around us, right? You can be present. We can be present. We cannot ruminate on silly mistakes. Mm-hmm. And we can enjoy your successes, you know, and the fun, funny moments and the relationships and even the bad moments you know like even a silly mistake you can laugh at that embrace it as connectionism and move on exactly something that i think is important to think about when when we're thinking about this analogy of the plane is where are your feet at because what will's talking about he's like why are you scared in your bed the night before you're not on the plane you know like where are your feet i I, i'm not my feet are not in my boss's office having the scary conversation i had that morning or that i'm going to have that day like my feet are not there so why am i worried about it And, and there's a big difference between you know preparing for these things and and doing the work beforehand so that these situations go well whatever it might be and this is obviously very varied but but ask yourself where are your feet my feet, you know, I, if you're with friends, my feet are with friends right now. My feet are not in this situation this morning where I said something dumb. So so why am I focused on that? Or my feet are not on the date tomorrow that I'm scared to go on. So why mm-hmm. am I focused on that? If you've done everything you can do to prepare or if the situation's already happened and you've, you've done what you can do to reprimand or, or whatever it is, focus on where your feet are, you know? Mm-hmm. Totally. So we want you to try and recognize this cycle in yourself. Mm-hmm. Try and recognize when you're setting an unrealistic expectation and when you're getting down on yourself. And they might be really subtle. You might have to look for them, but they're there. Mm-hmm. Um, so before we give you the takeaways, I just want to remind you to let connectionism drive this, drive your life and drive your, um, I guess, give you motivation instead of fear not measuring up or fear of being seen or fear of being vulnerable and don't change your skin (laughs) um just embrace it you know 
Yeah, because there's a difference between kind of, you know, putting your best foot forward and actually, like, morphing yourself into what you think other people want to see or experience. Yeah. Because that's damaging, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, totally. It was a lot of information today. So let us know if you have any questions about it, um, things that you like. Share it on social media. Anna, do you want to do the takeaways today? I would love to. Take so our first takeaway. Take it away. Oh, my gosh. Didn't our even first that. takeaway is evaluate your expectations. And Alicia, remember, gave us a really good point of advice. If you need help doing that, meet with someone who cares about you and has your best intentions in mind. The second takeaway is to be your own advocate. For, get yourself out of the chair. And if you can't get out of the chair, intercede on your own behalf and tell yourself to knock it off. If you're beating yourself up while you're sitting in the chair. And the third one is to feel your fears and do it anyway. Be where your feet are. So go for that thing that you're scared of, but also remember to be present and to be in the environment that you're in at that moment. Mm -hmm. Because that's the key to connectionism. Totally. And I think we could add even a fourth takeaway on there. Whatever you got out of that, this podcast or the Will Smith video. Yeah, write down your own takeaway. Yeah. Whatever you got out of this, because there was a lot, and I feel like people resonate with that video in different ways. And if you write it down, you'll remember it. Mm-hmm. So you so better. You better. All right, y'all. Thanks for listening. My name's Anna. My name's Alicia. And, and this, this is, is Popping, Popping Perfectionism. My name's Anna. My name's Alicia. And And this this is Popping Popping Perfectionism. Perfectionism.